Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and today we are continuing our discussions with local Newry entrepreneurs and business owners to learn a little more about how these companies came to be and to gain an insight into how they have grown. So do remember to keep an eye out on your favourite podcast app and subscribe to stay up to date with any future episodes that we've got. But today we have a fantastic guest for you. We're joined by Celine Grant, who is the Director of Product Sales for Regen Waste. Celine, you are very welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Sarah. So before uh, we begin, as always, I'm going to give a little bit of background into your business before we discuss things further. So Regen Waste was established in 2002. They're an expert waste management solutions company based in Newry, with clients and customers, though, across the UK and Ireland. Now, the company's recycling vision is to generate a cleaner future by transforming waste to energy. Regen are a family-run organisation with a £36 million turnover and they employ 250 staff locally. Regen also gave back £280,000 to local charities in Northern Ireland last year and more recently... £60,000 worth of PPE to the Southern Area Trust during COVID. Quite a story, Celine. Um, And it all started, I believe, like so many brilliant business ideas around the family kitchen table. Talk us through how it all started. Yes, Sarah, that's correct. Um, uh, Quite some time ago, um, my father had said to all of us, you know, the construction uh, business was going good at the time but it was coming into the Celtic Tiger and it was time we all looked for some other uh, other businesses to, to be looking at. So your dad was in construction? Yeah, so we, um, we I was actually, I was still at university at the time whenever they began looking at um, recycling. One of the brothers had actually went to Canada on a placement year and landfills and recycling was a big thing in Canada and it was not really heard of here in the north of Ireland. So one of the brothers started doing some research and eventually evolved was the regen waste. So we started out um, not knowing what type of waste or recycling we were going to go into and the local Newry contract came up and we won the contract for recyclables. So we built on that 7,000 tonnes contract and we started and built the machinery and everything, the business around that at the time. After that then, we went out into the market and started to look for other contracts in the, in the north of Ireland. We also looked in the south of Ireland as well and we then branched out into the rest of the UK and Scotland. So we have um, now... From that from that time until now, um, a third of our material comes from the north of Ireland, from households, similar in the south and similar then in the UK. So the material is all taken to Regen's facility and the material is broken in down into paper, cardboard, aluminium cans, steel cans, plastic bottles. Um, so they are sorted and then they, we sell that material on to the, for example, plastic uh, reprocessors, paper mills, etc. It's an, un- an unbelievable story. And if you think about it, you were also in the right place at the right time. I suppose back, you commenced operations in 2002. 
you know, back then we weren't recycling. There was a very obvious problem. Uh, David Attenborough, I, I know, was in the cinemas at the minute, you know, warning of the of the implications of plastic and, and how much we are, are harming the world. But now everybody is thinking about that. And, uh, you know, the business has grown because of that need to protect the environment too. But... You know, how difficult was it when you started off because people weren't recycling and weren't helping you in that process? Yeah, I suppose we had to get an infrastructure in place to educate the, the general public on what needs to go into the bin. And that's a constant thing that has to be done. Um, it's pro- they're, they're bringing in different um, schemes now, like a producer responsibility, where the likes of Marks and Spencers and that has to make it very clear of what packaging has to be um, like there's a miscommunication there of there's plastic maybe on a cardboard sandwich uh, box and there's that misconception that that can actually be recycled when in a sense it can't um, there's marks on certain things saying it, it has been recycled but people assume that can just be recycled again yeah. so there is situations like that that we're trying to educate people now still similar to what we were doing back 16 years ago. But you do see a big um, a change and shift in people's pattern, particularly educating the schools and that they're the younger generations coming through and they are very mindful of it. When people ask me, what do I do? You can see the penny dropping in their head going, oh, I don't recycle I don't do or I don't do it the way it should be done mm-hmm. and um, I think it, there is a more important sir but equally there's still a lot to be done going into the future for people to understand exactly what does go into the recycling bin. And I was going to say to you where do you think we'll be going now with, with our waste? Um, it was thought that we were moving away from any kind of packaging, people were being encouraged you know, not to use the single use plastic and then during Covid we're seeing that that's exactly what people have gone back to. Um, everything's changed again for you? I suppose, yes. Um, whenever we first started in business, um, I, I, I done the different jobs. I'd done the wages, I'd done the transport, I'd done all the, the office jobs before I eventually took over selling all the material. So whenever I first started selling the material, you would have found a lot of paper mills from like China and that were coming. They had maybe offices in Europe and they were coming readily looking to buy your material where that whole shift really changed where you had to go out and sell your material the whole shift was that you had to go after them so it's very important that we push quality of what our final product is and that's where I spent a lot of my time traveling getting the right paper mills and plastic mills to take our material and um, build long-term relationships with them companies that we were then always working with them on a yearly basis and everything started to flow where initially it wasn't like that. Um, I suppose it's back to building them relationships. The other thing too was um, the shift now has gone that the like of China and that has banned certain um, recovered waste because they want to do everything within their own country. So you're finding that shift is moving back towards home and what we're finding now is like we would have, we would sell into Turkey, Portugal, Spain, Germany, Holland, uh, our material, and we're, we're very successful in them areas. Previous to 2016, we would have been able to ship to Indonesia, China, India. We're now 
they are all becoming self-sufficient and we really need to start to look for options closer to home. So you're constantly changing from different markets and like regulations in different countries has started to have an effect on recycling. And unfortunately, the infrastructure is not in place in the UK just at the moment for the capacity to take all recyclables. So it's something that you're going to see a big shift on over the next couple of years where you hopefully see more of that there that we'll be able to recycle and keep it more circular economy and that is becoming a big thing is the circular economy but on, as I said the infrastructure isn't just in place for that just at the moment but give it 10 years and you'll see a big change in the recycling. How green are you as a family yourself? I know you live locally and you're married with two kitties. James is nine and Noel is seven. When you s- you're hearing about, you know, landfills operating at full capacity, fast fashion, all of these things, how green a family are you? I would say sometimes I would be sceptical of some of the green things, such as, as you say, such as fashion, or there does be a lot of money put into certain things to subsidise them and unfortunately if they stood alone in their, as a business on their own it wouldn't work and you do find that certain things don't be successful in recycling because of cost. Um, as a family yes we definitely have to be seen to be doing the <laughs> thing right which we do and I suppose I do get a good laugh out of whenever people do speak to you and they realise what you do and they go the penny drops in their head and they go oh I don't recycle that or I didn't realise the importance of getting it right. You're the recycling so, police and then everybody has to improve. Yeah. Well, that's, it's good. I mean, it's good to get those messages out there. Um, talk me through how it works then, because you transform the waste and convert it into energy. How does that work? So that's we have a couple of different parts to the business. So the business initially started out on focusing on household recyclables. So as I said, we initially had... Our our first um, contract was for 7,000 tonne and that rolled out throughout the Newry and Warren District Council area. And evolving from that then, we obviously went to other councils in the north of Ireland and were awarded contracts there, similar to Scotland and England. So that business is now uh, at a capacity of 160,000 tonne. So once we got to that, once we started to grow to that point, we decided to look at the Blackburn side of the business, uh, which um, is rolled out also across Northern Ireland long before the recycling bin. So it has gone from going to landfill sites to going to from waste to energy. So again, it's um, we we what we will do is we will take the material in and reprocess it, and take out extract as much as we can from that material. That material has to have a certain ingredient in it and then we will send it for waste to energy to, we sell to Sweden, we sell to England, we sell to Holland um, and we're looking at at other options for that material. So it is taken on a bulk boat out of Warm Point every three weeks and we have contracts with different waste to energy companies and when it's sent for to their companies they uh, power their local area is ba- is basically what happens with the material and they will power the um the like the local um like universities and uh, housing around around that incinerator um so that's where the black bin side of the material goes we are looking at other options on it um as i said it's just like it's there's, as I said, there's different ingredients that is required for it. And 
um, what's needed maybe in the UK is not needed in Sweden. So we have to change things around to suit. And that's where we've expanded into the Blackburn side of it. So we have that business. And recently the group um, has went into doing regen robotics. So we are the first company in the UK to ever have a no man entry into tanks in big ports. So, for example, say the oil or gas comes in in big uh, in from um, other countries in in bulk uh, boats and is um, housed in these big tanks. The tanks, uh, whenever they are emptied, they need to be completely cleaned, and generally uh, it has been done with maybe eight men. In a, in a tank and for health and safety it's not uh, it's not very good for the for them or for the environment so we started a couple of years ago at looking at that and we've now become the first company to have a no man entry t- uh, so a robot goes in wow. to the tank and instead of it taking three weeks for example it takes five days and uh, the risk obviously is a lot less so we've just ordered our second robot and we're working with companies like Shell uh, to clean out um, tanks all over the UK and Ireland. Incredible. So we've started doing that there. And um, another part of the business then is we have went into doing, um, the, my brother has set up a company called Connects. And Connects does bathroom pods that go into hotels and um, they're pre-made here in Newry. And uh, then there's, they go to England to go into say like he's got contracts with Holiday Inn, etc. Companies like that, are, like that. So we are trying to expand the business all the time. We're so always a bathroom pod. What does that talk me through? What a bathroom pod is? So a bathroom pod is basically if you go to his factory at the moment, you could walk into the toilet and there is a shower, there's a toilet, there's a mirror, sink, everything that is in a normal hotel uh-huh. room that the building contractors that's on the job in the project, say in London, all they do is slot, slot it in. Slot it in. Wow. So um, he's doing a lot of work actually close to London City Airport at the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, own, it's, in its, it's now about three years um, into it. So it's early days for it, but we're always trying to find new options and something else to be looking at to invest. It's not just that we want to stick to recycling. We want to do it best and then find something else to focus on. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Exchange. Do you need an office or a meeting room space? Granite Exchange is the ultimate serviced office and meeting room facility. Located in the heart of Newry City, it is perfectly placed between Belfast and Dublin. Each office suite is fully furnished and comes with an all-inclusive monthly fee with no long-term contract. All you have to do is show up and switch on. The rest is taken care of. For more information, call 028-3044-2500 or visit www.granite-exchange.com. Well, they say that many heads make light work. Maybe it's made many hands and there are many hands and heads in your family. So talk me through what, you know, how many you've got, what kind of family. Are you all in the business? Uh, I, actually, there's there's seven children in the family. I am the only girl mm-hmm. and I come in the middle of the house. So it's always been a case of you have to fight your corner. And when we first started out in business, 
Um, I actually was working for Diageo and I bought all the wines and spirits in for Northern Ireland. So it was a lovely, attractive job to have and I loved it. And they offered me a place, or they offered me a job after I left university. So I had to make a decision at the time whether I went down the route of working for Diageo or I went down the route of sitting in a container office in Cairnbean uh, with two of my brothers on a building site to decide whether I wanted to do down the road of helping them and I'm there 16 years now and yes it's had its ups and downs and sometimes you just don't know how you're going to find the ups whenever you're at that down point but we always work together thankfully we all do get on very well we all have different uh, parts of the business and we all are um, nobody really overlaps in what their drive is within the business so thankfully um, there's five of us in in one of the businesses in the region um then another brother has the connects and another brother's just starting out looking at grabs for diggers so he has just um he hasn't come in onto the group uh, yet but he's starting to in look at um another business as well there's obviously great innovation and drive there and i suppose it comes from that construction background i see that your dad was nominated nine times for top builder in northern ireland so Always ahead of his game. Yeah, yeah. It's filtered down, obviously. Yeah, there would be a real hard working ethos passed down from my father to us. And uh, we have to be grateful for him and my mother for always supporting us. And when we started out in region, he always said, you know, you're going to make mistakes. I'm here to back you, but I'm not here to tell you what to do. And I think it has been a really strong point for us because he's always been there and he's always got a, we always know he's there to support us, but he never tell us what decisions to make, make our own decisions. And I think that's something that's you defined in certain family businesses. If the reins aren't let loose a wee bit, that the younger generation can't find their feet maybe just as well. I'm not saying we've always had to go back to him, um, he's 72 and he's out in our yard today uh, working away more so than anybody else in the business so yeah. Yeah. we always have his back and I'm sure you do now let's talk gender equality because um, you know it sounds like you've been the only female in your family world but in a very male dominated world that you've chosen to work in um, did your dad or your mum ever say oh, you should do something else or was it always equal, same as the brothers? I suppose, it's, uh, thankfully, it's always been equal. They always did say at a time, if you want to go out on your own, do your own uh, thing, you know, that they would support me. But I think I just sort of fell into um, the, the job in region and as time went on, I really grew to love uh, selling the material. I got a real buzz out of travelling the world getting to see what else was going on in terms of, for example, like we would have sold a lot of material to Indonesia. It was a real eye-opener to go to the paper mills and see exactly what went on in, in their country and how they had done it. And I suppose I have to be grateful for the experiences I got. I built long-term relationships with a lot of them that we still have maybe in the past 10 years. You know, the fact that you are still the only female sitting on boards with maybe 11 men... Do you hope that that will change in the next 16 years? Yes, I think there's um, a growing need for women in business. And 
women need to get more confidence in themselves to go out there and truly believe that they actually have it in them. I didn't think 16 years ago that I would be the only female on a board where they have big influence in the future of uh, recycling in the UK. So if I can do it, certainly any other woman here can do it. And I do believe things like women in business and um, you know the like of Women's International Day, they're all great things for empowering women. Obviously we don't want a railroad over the men, but we want to be equals in it. And I do feel any men that I'm dealing with in the industry or within our own business has always been a real positive. And I think it gives me confidence to know, well, if they can do it, so can I. How would you say, what skills would you say that you had that were different to your brothers? You're all doing different things, but would you say you're you're similar or are you all very different? I think, if strangely, actually, I think out of the seven, there's not one of us has an overlapping personality, which I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I suppose I'm probably, I would be seen in the house as the huggy, Karen, probably it's a female thing. And I think I'm a very outgoing person and I do feel when I'm in... Um, Meetings, it's not very formal. I think I'm the type of person that maybe comes across quite informal and more chatty about things outside of actual work. I do find that maybe 70% of meetings is about what's going on personally with the person that you've built that rapport with and the other 30% is down to getting the job done and getting whatever needs to be brought across the line. Well, I, I suppose it is interesting that you're the director of product sales and you lead the sales team in the selling of what you do. So that warmth and that empathy, without that, you're nothing. Yeah, I suppose um, my, one of the brothers used to always do it and he, he, what it, he said to me at a time, you know, I'm not the right person for this, you might be better because you are that more outgoing person. Um, I suppose the problem for female in the industry is having to travel is probably... Um, seen as it's a man's job to be doing and it can be a difficult thing to be doing if you're traveling on your own you know you do feel that slight more vulnerable but I got probably in myself I've got over that there uh, because I've got the confidence of the people in the industry that uh, it's not it's not maybe a taboo sort of a thing Um, so you do see that it's sort of probably frowned upon that women maybe are out doing a really good high-powered job as opposed to it's normally seen that it's a man's job but I think that shift is really changing. I always think if you imagine that you're you're talking to your own daughter or to somebody younger you would never say that to them would you you'd just say go and do it you're as good as anybody. you're as good as anybody yeah. else and it is but I suppose it is also getting the balance right because when you become a mom or you're a parent or you have other responsibilities it's amazing how that guilt um creeps in and you think well I shouldn't be away I shouldn't be doing that and and then it has been said that maybe the men don't think like that. Yeah, I, you know, everybody has a different feeling on it. I suppose for me, actually, particularly coming up to COVID, it, it nearly, I was like maybe getting up at three o'clock in the morning, not getting home till 11 o'clock at night. Now, I was very lucky that the flexibility in my work allowed me to take that bit of time with the children if I missed out on something. But you do get that guilt factor, as you say, that you're missing out. But equally... You have to have to get that work-life balance if you have the bit, uh, the time with them and also the time at work and you get that balance in yourself right, then I think that's important to keep you moving forward. Well, you talked about COVID there. I mean, everything has changed now and I would imagine that, that the travel has been one of the first things to change. Um, 
Have you been anywhere since March? I think this is about as far as I've gone. <laughs> to the podcast studio in, in Granite Exchange. It's very exciting, isn't it? It's exciting to see you at the other side of the room. Um, but, you know, we are in the face of a, of a global pandemic. Massive worry. What were your concerns whenever everything hit? I think um, for Regen, we actually went ahead of things maybe in the middle of February. And because we had contacts in the like of China we had agents in China that would have done other work for us, that we had got on to them. We were very concerned about the well-being of our employees and that was first and foremost in our mindset. So the shift actually in our work ethos really changed. There became a lot of togetherness among all of our staff and we let all of our staff work from home from very early on in March, uh, more before like a lot of other companies had. And we started doing Microsoft Teams in the mornings and that togetherness from everybody was everybody's in this together we're all going to work this out together and thankfully um, we would have spent a lot of time in the mornings discussing how to get it right for all of our staff that their well-being was looked after both mentally and physically and we put a lot of measures in place and um, to look after our staff. And did they all keep working? No furlough or anything like that? Most staff was able to keep working, very few uh, went on furlough. Mm -hmm. Um, There was, we as as we, our business is um, is seen as one that has to keep, had to keep going. We everybody's recycling bins had to keep more waste than, than ever before, uh, household wise. Anyway, yes, we did. We seen a big influx of particularly like cardboard. You you would have seen the Amazon boxes coming <laughs> flying in through the door. Shh, was that from? The North Coast Benny was <laughs> me. And the wine bottles and oh, the, the beer pecans, yep. a lot of that all sh- shifted. So what was coming in in the recycling bin was not what uh, was nor- normal. Um, so you did see a big shift in that. But um, any staff that could have worked from home worked from home. We had to obviously keep our plant staff that was sorting the material coming in. So we split shifts. Um, we fogged down the place um, three times in the day and in between shifts. We went and got like a couple of double-decker buses so that staff weren't sitting together on the really? bus. Yeah, so <laughs> we done that there. And also we got, um, we ordered £120,000 worth of um, PPE from China, all certified and made sure it was I- usable by the Southern Area Trust. So we split half of it and kept half of it for our staff okay. and we gave the other half to the Southern Area Trust. Um, that was important to you? It was, it was important to us and I suppose for the Southern Area Trust at the time, they weren't sure of when the PPE was going to come from different places and then there was obviously news reports that stuff, some of the material that was coming in wasn't certified so we made sure we had got everything in, in place before we bought it and we actually had it bought like in the middle of February before everybody was told to go home and work from home etc. So it was on its way to us before the initial scaring came into the, um, you know, whenever it came out on the news that people had to work from home, etc. We were well underway with that. So thankfully, up until now, um, we've kept it at bay in um, the region group. So that's incredible. Now, the other big challenge, I suppose, to businesses and particularly perhaps businesses that are based on the border is is Brexit. I mean, you're talking about your boats leaving Warren Point. Um, you know, we are facing into now leaving the European Union. 
How has that affected the way that you'll be able to continue to do business if we still have no deal as such? Yeah. I suppose um, it was always the big talk up until COVID, so it sort of took a back seat for a while there, the whole Brexit. But it's now creeping back in where we are finding now that um, we don't come onto the sector of taking um, foreign nationals in, which can be a difficult thing going forward from January. And it's important to realise that we do need... Um, them people to come in to work in our business so the like of that has become an issue paperwork has become is going to be a lot more um prevalent but for the industry that we are already in there is a lot of paperwork already there and it might be just a change of the format that it's being put um but we are fighting there's a lot of unknown the environment agency are on a lot of unknown also because brexit is just unknown for us all it hasn't just come down to this it's what is going to be the way forward it will have a lot of effects it'll have a lot of effects on um where we can sell our material to um where where we can get our staff as well from um obviously the paperwork that will go along with it as well and yes we're we're able to go out at one point now and that and hopefully that won't change but um the paperwork will change uh, going forward for on it now the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business or begin their business by offering insight into the success of lo- local newry companies like your own so what advice would you give, Celine, to anyone out there listening that perhaps has a business idea or perhaps because of recent events needs to do something different um, like your family did all those years ago? If you're unsure if it would work, unsure whether to take the risk or not, what would you say to them? I think it's definitely worth taking the risk. Um, from the very start, we've always had to take risks or we wouldn't still be where we are today. That's not to say things could change very, very quickly. And I suppose people in the outset think, oh, the business just fell into their hands. There's been a lot of hard work, sweat, te- a lot of tears over getting to that point. But I think if I didn't see us... 16 years ago sitting sitting in this position now what will we see in 16 years time I don't know um I think we've always we always underestimated ourselves at the start and even uh, for example in the past couple of weeks we had like a strategy day where we said right what's what's next for us and I never thought of some of the ideas that came out from our staff that are really amazing things. And it's great to bring your staff along with you. We have some excellent people that we've built up around us over the years and continue to work with us. I suppose you just need to be flexible and you have to realise that there's bad days as well as good days in it. What do you think has been the biggest challenge for you personally, professionally? I suppose whenever I took on the job that I took on, I was just after having um, two young. Ch- I had two young children, and I found that I loved doing b- both, and it was very hard to get that work-life balance. And um, I suppose everything is ever evolving. The recycling industry just changes on a weekly basis, and you have to always be firefighting that, or, and also looking into the future and realizing that things aren't going to sit still, and that you have to keep moving or move up or move out is basically what you have to do. So you talked about that strategy day and some of those exciting suggestions. What do you see as next in the pipeline? 
Or can you not tell us? <laughs> uh, I suppose we're looking at other options other than... Um, we discussed earlier about the circular economy, trying to make good products out of what we have. And that is what we are looking at. We are also, as I said, the the robotics, we're looking at other things similar to, it doesn't have to be about recycling. Um, So we're looking at other options outside of that. Well, you're a fantastic company, such a success story. And, um, you know, what a wonderful interviewee and guest to end our podcast series. Thank you so much to Celine Grant, Director of Product Sales for Regen Waste. And I'd like to thank all of our participants for taking part. And thank you so much to the Granite Podcast team for making it all possible. That's it for me for now. Stay tuned for more exciting content. Bye-bye. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.